1: Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Roger Report podcast in association with the Sunland Community Soup Kitchen. It's Gav back after Sunland's one all draw at the Stadium of Light against Luton Town. Uh, interesting game, I think. A uh, couple of controversial moments, a couple of, um, oh, I don't know how you'd put it really. Sunland basically bored their way out of the game <laughs> and got a point and uh, I'm happy with that because Luton were almost there. They were almost there, weren't they Chris? Chris is with us.
0: There were, there were, yeah, it was was an interesting game. Well, it, it, yeah, it was an interesting game. It wasn't the most exciting <laughs> game, I have to admit. It did, no. it took some effort to watch the whole thing, I have to admit.
1: Yeah, me mate said two shite teams at time, and he no. was probably right. Yeah, but I think Luton, to be fair, knew how to play at the Stadium of Light. They came, they just slowed the game down when they needed to. They got a goal and from that point on, tried to waste time and it's just a blueprint for coming to the Stadium of Light, but... You know, we took a gamble at the end by making a a lot of attacking and changes and a lot of subs and we got our rewards. It was a goal from Amad Diallo from the penalty spot. Like I say, we escaped with a point. Luton, who are obviously going for they're not too far from the automatic promotion spots, but they're probably gonna be in the playoffs. They are way ahead of us at the minute. Sat in fourth place, we're eleventh, fifty-three points, we're on there on sixty four. So, you know, a bit of a gap, but um I think A lot of us were probably expecting a tough game. And, yeah, I mean, like I say, I wasn't particularly impressed with Luton, really. I think, you know, there there was nothing special about them. When I saw the team written down on paper, what I saw was just a a very average-looking team on paper. Clearly they're not. They've won 17 games this season. You know, they're no mugs. But I didn't say anything to fear. I think in the game, we probably let ourselves down for most of it because I, th- I actually think it was probably there for the taking that if we'd really turned it on, if we'd really been fired up, if we'd felt like we had something to play for, which is obviously a discussion we might end up going down after after I make my point here, then maybe we would have won this one. I've seen us play a hell of a lot better than this this season. For a lot of it, we were sort of cruising and it wasn't really until we made the the key changes that, we that we actually looked any good and I think you know going forward we've got to hopefully see off the back of this game a couple of changes that in in the vein of the ones that we saw that got us the point I guess for the remainder of the season but yeah a, a decent point all things considered Chris wasn't it we, we played well enough to get a point I would
0: say oh definitely definitely and and you know, you you touched on that. I was I was going to say something similar myself. I mean, I was just looking at my notes of the game as I was taking uh, during the game, and uh, after fifteen minutes, I just wrote uh, two words: looting shit. And I, just, <laughs> <laughs> I, I I honestly didn't. I thought I thought they were poor. I mean, the difference between mm. seeing us play Sheffield United at home and looting Town at home in such a short space of time. I think there's a yeah. massive difference between Sheffield United and Luton, and it shows kind of the difference in the league and two places separating them in the table. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, and such a big difference in quality. You're totally right.
0: But what did what did we say though? But during the week we were saying it's like it was going to be almost a case of first goals of the winner, and it almost almost turned almost out almost was yeah to, to be that way. And and you saw how Luton set up, and it just goes to show what you can get when you're that organised because. Mm-hmm. collective like their players none of them shone out as thinking oh he's a good player or he's a good player they had the they had the lad who gave the penalty away was it Bell on the on the left hand side I mean yeah, he made a lot of ground at times but yeah, bit he, of did, pace. He, mm-hmm. he did nothing with it he was just quick he couldn't really run with the ball he didn't really have control of it but they were just a really well organised well drilled side and you could tell that if we went behind we'd have bother but I mean I'm sure we I'm sure will come on to it because you know, 17 minutes, Dan Neal hits the post. And if he scores that goal, it's a completely different game.
1: Yeah, yeah. I actually think that, uh, they, they, I don't know how to explain Luton really. They were a bit like when we would play a team fighting up towards the top end of League One hmm. and they'd come to the stadium light and I'd look at them and I'd be like, "Then that's shit, there's nothing special about these. How are they up there with us? And it felt a bit like a Plymouth. I remember Plymouth at one point being right up there with us, or yeah. like an MK Dons, like just just a an, an average looking team. I mean, like I say, we're probably not giving them enough credit because there's a reason they're up there. But I can only base my opinion on what I saw on the and the game at the weekend, and you know that was it. That was there. Was, there was nothing special about them. But like I say, I'm not doing them down in saying that. I think you're totally right. I think they were they were organised. You could see the game plan kicking in when they got the goal soon as they got that goal yeah. they changed completely they went into full on Stadium of Light you know <laughs> the, the, the way teams play when they come to us when they get a goal they just time wasted on everything they were throwing the ball out every time it was one of our throw-ins I've, I mean all of the methods we see every time at Stadium Life for time wasting were in play in full force like it probably as bad as I've seen it this season to be honest and I was. That's why I was so happy when we got the goal. It's nice when a team tries to piss around and waste time and they get, uh, come comeuppance, and that's what happened. We'll, we will come on to the actual incident which led to the goal and all the rest of it as we go on here. But I, I think generally speaking, as the performance goes, we were all right. And I think we, you know, second half anyways, we were a lot better. Once changes were made and stuff, we kicked on. The team, we might as well start from the top with the team. He didn't change a thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did that surprise you at all? Because it did me. I thought after the way we played the other night, he might have just made a handful, especially with Ahmad being available. I thought he might make some changes, but none. No. None at all. Not even Ahmad coming in.
0: Were you not it, surprised at all? It didn't It didn't surprise me because I listened to Tony Mowbray's press conference and his comments after the last game. And, you know, again, and, and I'm sure he said it after the game as well, that he keeps talking about what he's got to select from. And the player's missing again. and oh, He's basically saying, we've got what we've got, and this is the team. So I wasn't surprised in that sense. But I was, again, not kind of surprised, but I did think he might make them because just to shake things up and just to give people a rest and bring bring people out for a game. But the yeah. sounds that he was making suggested that he wasn't going to. So I didn't think he was going to. And, that you know, same side for the last three games now, which is... A little bit bizarre because all the way through we've been highlighting problems with, with some of the, the setup, mm. you know, and the, the kind of the difference with being at home and being away. But but I think one big change he did make wasn't necessarily in the personnel, but we talked about it last week when I was talking about how we got caught out with Dan Neil and Mishu in midfield, and then they were playing yeah. as a pair, moving up together as a pair, moving back together as a pair. And if you notice this week there was this almost like a subtle change where Dan Neal just sat in and Dan Neal just didn't mm-hmm. didn't really bust a gut to join the attacks. He was hanging around the edge of the box. Whereas Mishu started making these 30-yard runs beyond the defense to join the attack and actually get beyond Gellart and get beyond bar. And it was just a, a subtle change like that, but it made a massive difference because actually when we did go on the attack, we had this extra player, which we haven't had in the last few weeks. So you can see how Tony Mowbray's Yes, he's putting the same eleven out, but he's making these subtle changes where we are actually doing a couple of things differently. But to be honest, I I wouldn't have minded seeing some kind of fresh legs in there. To be honest,
1: yeah, just something different. I mean, we saw it as the game went on. Once we made changes, we were a lot better. And uh, I was when I was walking away from the ground, my dad said to us that you know we are so much better when we had when we have pace on the pitch. Mm-hmm. You know, we brought players on with a bit of energy. And we were—you just seen the mood lift, the mood in the ground lifted. We were moving the ball quicker. We were getting into dangerous areas and putting decent balls into the box. I mean, and that was just with the introduction of a couple of players. It wasn't, and it wasn't groundbreaking stuff. I know Ahmad coming on naturally gave us a lift. We all expected he'd come on at some point, but it was—it was actually probably for me. And again, a player who I don't often give a lot of praise or credit to. But Lyndon Gooch was brilliant when he came on. That was a proper... That, that is what you want to see from a sub coming on. He came on on the left-hand side and he just got at them and he put balls into the box. Bennett as well. Bennett on the other side, who went onto the right-hand side of the pitch, mostly, and done the exact same thing over there. Just run at the full-back, try to get balls into the box, try to give us a little bit of quality. You know, it wasn't always about trying to get balls in for someone to get the head on the end of, but more so if we get... Dangerous crosses into the area and they clear it. What can we do with the scraps? What can we do with the second balls? It was all about that. And the changes Mowbray made later in the game made us better. So when you mentioned there about him talking about he's got what he's got and mm. picking the same team, well, for me, the subs that he made showed we've got quality that we can bring into the team. It's not And not just later in games. I mean, I totally understand that. Starting Lyndon Gooch and starting Bennett, for instance, they wouldn't have the same impact from the start of a game as they would in the final five minutes of a game. In that moment where you're a goal down, you're putting pressure on, that is a very different situation. But to me, what it demonstrates, particularly in the in the case of Bennett and actually pierre Equa, is that there are players there with a little bit of quality that we haven't really seen much of. And I know Ekwar hasn't really lit the place up since he came, but he hasn't started a game. So I'm not going to judge him based on a handful of sub appearances badly. I actually think that's the best he's looked since he came. I thought he he got on the pitch, won us the ball and moved it quickly. And that was something that the other two midfielders weren't really doing well. So like when he talks about these things, I would like to think as a result of this performance, that he might look differently at some of these players. Because to me, Bennett, he's never not look dangerous when he's played. He's always, you can maybe talk about Shrewsbury, the cup game when he started, he wasn't great. But generally speaking, when he when he comes on, he's lively, he's getting at people, he's creating. He he always looks to get the ball into the box. He's not selfish. He's, he's a really unselfish winger. So there is quality there. And I think when you do need to freshen it up, you've maybe got to be a bit broader-minded, or Mowbray's got to be a bit broader-minded. And just in these last whatever amount of games we've got left, let's see them play a bit. Because when you think about it, we've just played the team sat fourth in the table and they've came on and they've looked all right. So if they can do it against the team sat fourth in the table, they can do it against anybody and they just need that chance to prove themselves. But yeah, other other than that, the team selection to me, a bit uninspiring. And I think it showed in the first half
0: performance, really. Well, I think even even the players felt it because that, that, that first half, how pedestrian was it? It was just mm-hmm. like we we were taking forever just to make passes but the thing is it's it's even if you're playing that 11 I, I don't understand why because we were playing into Luton's hands playing so slowly mm-hmm. Luton, because they were so organised all they needed to do was sit in and wait for us to give them the ball back we weren't bringing it out from the back quick enough. We weren't putting it in, popping it into midfield quick enough. Roberts and Clark. There was one point we hit them on the break, and I think we ended up Bar or Clark cut back, and by that point, like Luton had got six or seven players back. Whereas before, I think it was
1: Clark because he'd done that about ten yeah. times.
0: Well, at one point it was <laughs> it was four under three in our favour, and then yeah. literally ten seconds later, Luton had six or seven players back because we yeah. cut back and couldn't do anything quick enough with it but i like i said i think even that's that's you know i want to say almost staleness is coming through to the players because they played in that first half because luton were there for the taking and i know well Dan daniel hit the post so we were pretty close to going ahead but if we were able to up the tempo in the especially in the final third like we could have quite easily getting something from it but luton were quite happy just to sit on the edge of the box because they knew we were going to just pass 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 and at some point one goes straight, and, and that would be that. But, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I agree on the, the topic about pace. I mean, God, those players came on, and like you said, the whole place lifted, but not just the pace. It was just, all right, it, it's a change of personnel and a different outlook on the game. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that was instructions from the bench that those subs went on with because it was something that Mowbray said after the game, talking about our tempo and that we, well, essentially didn't have any. And it's, it's been an issue quite often at home as well, where we need that tempo. And if we play with the tempo with the players we've got, quite often we'll kind of rip teams apart. But it, but it's it's another lesson because, like I said, Luton were there for the taking. I, I don't think three points was, you know, it it wasn't that far off at the weekend.
1: No. It, it felt like a mid-table performance, didn't It, it felt like a team yeah. who know they're safe... Like, we didn't
0: really have something to play for. It felt like two teams like that. It felt like both teams were in that position.
1: Yeah, it did. Yeah. Although, as the away side, you know what it's like. Like If you're going somewhere... You know what it's like when teams just come to us? I think that we are are a very different case to almost anyone in this league. In that teams come here and they do treat the occasion differently. And I think they come here and a lot of them don't intend to attack in the first half. Because they'll lose. They lose if they do that. They come in the first half to frustrate the crowd and then make the game feel long and then as it goes on try and nick a goal and then find a way to manage it. That that just seems to be I, the way I, teams play when they come here.
0: I agree, but not not teams who think that they're good enough. Because I, I no. think Luton thought to get any anything out of this game, this is how we had to set up. But hmm. if you if you contrast that to Sheffield United, who came out the blocks thinking, well, we can beat something completely different outlook on the game.
1: Yeah. I think, I think we fair Luton. The one thing they did really well was press us. I thought there was a lot of the times where we were trying to play and they, they had, they were man to man all over the pitch and it was very hard for us to, so we were, we were passing around them, but we weren't really getting anywhere with it.
0: They did, but only when we hit a certain point going up the pitch. So when Mm -hmm. we, when we hit almost kind of midway in their first half, they were right on top of us, but they let us have the ball. On the halfway line, as much as we wanted, because they just went, well, yeah, yeah. they're not, they're not going to hurt us there. They can knock about there, all the like, but they mm-hmm. just, they just sat in. And as soon as we hit a point on the pitch, halfway into their half, that's when they went man for man, and it was kind of, and we, we, we weren't kind of expecting it in some ways, but, mm-hmm. but again, if we had the tempo, we've got the players to work around them, but because yeah. it was so, the build up was so slow, it, it, it just wasn't there.
1: Yeah. Well, the first half, the, the other than that Dan Neal chance, which you mentioned before, there's nothing to talk about. It was crap. Nothing really happened. And at the break, yeah, it was flat. We were sat, when I was stood around, to be honest, normally we're in the group I'm with, we're stood talking about what happened in the half and, you know, where we can go from here and stuff. And it was flat. It was like being at a pre-season game or a cup game or something, like just <laughs> People were like, eh, well, because nothing happened. There was nothing to get excited about. There's nothing to get angry about. It was just a, a, really nothing happened. But obviously, Luton's team talk at half time was a good one because they came out and they were positive. And I thought, you know, that's what we could have done with. We could have done with coming out a bit more positive, could have done with coming out and, and imposing our game on them. And that's probably been a fault of this team for a for a little while now. I think we just don't seem to start second halves particularly well. <laughs> We're always—I don't know if it's just me, Chris—but like, we we always seem to be waiting until the hour mark to see what's going to happen in the game. Like, we never—I never feel like we've had a com. I may I may just have a short memory here, but it doesn't feel like we've had a complete ninety-minute performance for a while. Feels like you know, it does feel like we sit. So I had fifty-five, sixty minutes like, right, okay, we need to change something. We need to change something. It's always the same. Yeah. And um it was the same in this game, wasn't it? You know, it wasn't the the second half was poor. And I, I sometimes I wonder like what's being said at half time, like because we we need to come out and impose ourselves. Like like you said, if I'm Tony Mowbray going in at half time, I'm saying, Oh lads, they're here for the take and these, they've they've mm-hmm. come here and they've done nothing. They haven't threatened you. Pat, oh, you've had nothing to do. Lads at the back, other than the basics, what have you really had to do? They're not getting down the sides. They're not putting balls in the box. So, come on, let's get out there. Let's let's get on the ball. Let's let's get forward quickly. Let's up the tempo. If we start the first five minutes passing the ball half a second quicker than we have been, getting it out wide to, to the likes of Patrick Roberts and Jack Clark, and if Gellhart's movement's good, we're going to score early on, and then that's a totally different game. And that was... To me, that was the simple way forward in the second half. And he might have said that, and they might have just went, fuck off. But, you know, (laughs) second second half was just as bad, really, as the first half in terms of the tempo and the speed of the game. Nothing really happened. And then they get that goal 51 minutes into the game, which, to be fair, two minutes before that, Patterson makes a really good save, and it did feel like something was building, but... I didn't see that coming. <laughs> no, you couldn't have seen that coming. Patterson didn't see it coming, which is why it just bobbled past him. But yeah, they, they have a free kick, which is a, a bit of a training ground move. They uh, play it short and it's Alfie Doherty who hits it and it goes through a, a mini crowd of players, but there's no real excuse in what happened, really. I think Patterson's got to do better. And uh, yeah, we're 1-0 down and you stood going, God, how's he how's he not save that? And it, it was one of them, wasn't
0: it? Yeah, it was. It was. I mean t- I mean, just just going back quickly to that half time talk, I mean, I'm pretty certain that uh that, that Mowbray had talked to him about that because I was looking at his comments after the game and he was talking about um not having the tempo and especially in the first half. So just if he noticed that, then surely he, he said the type of things that you were talking about earlier about getting the tempo mm-hmm. getting the tempo up and especially again we' talked about it in the, in the final third but the, the one of the things I don't get and it might be the type of subs he's got or the I don't know the trust he's got in them or, or what but one thing he mentioned as well was the substitutions that give him the spark which will will come on to towards the end of the game I guess but like when when things aren't going right he still waits to change it. And I'm yet mm-hmm. to kind of work out why. I mean, you could argue that in this game that it was a positive change and it, it helped us get a point. But there's always that what if. I mean, is is that the right way to do it? And and Tony Mowbray might be getting it absolutely spot on. But the problem is we never see the other side where it's, you know, and I'm not talking about Jose Mourinho seeing something's wrong and after 20 minutes and making a sub, which, you know, sometimes I wouldn't mind when you see things going wrong. But at half time... Or just even just after half time, if you think right this isn't going right, you know something's not quite working here, whoever it is, whether it's personnel or whatever, and you change it up, you change you make two subs at half time why not you know if if the first half's been that bad, change it up mm. i mean is is there a reason why you would wait for twenty minutes to go, you know fifteen minutes to go i I, do I don't you know, know, do me- you know,
1: i think i don't I don't know if he's the type of manager who will do something like that to try and spark a reaction. Alex Neil was. like, I mean, Alex Neil would make subs at half-time, yeah. but I think he was more that type of manager where Mowbray is your arm around the shoulder, how son you can do it type manager. And I don't know whether it's in his playbook. I don't know. Mm. I think he's more likely to sit them down and give them the benefit of the doubt. But you're right. It, a lot of the times we're sat at half-times thinking, you know, we can all see the obvious changes, and he makes those changes after an hour. And it's like, well, you know, why not just do it at half time?
0: I can't, I can't really say that for definite. Is it not working because he made the changes and we got something out of it? But you know, w- would yeah, it be yeah. w- would it be even better if he made them earlier? I mean, I mean, we'll never know. Yeah. But but I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. Like you said, we came out the the blocks. Well, we didn't come out the blocks at all. Luton, Luton after five minutes of that second half, uh, there was an o- that overload on the right. And actually, I was going to say, you know, the 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 first save from Patterson, it seemed to come like Hume. Almost moved centrally a little bit, and we almost at times looked like a back three, with uh, mm. with Ballard, Bart, and and O'9. and Hume started to almost come in front, of the, like alongside Dan Neal at times, and we looked a, a little bit lopsided, and the the three had to kind of shift across. And actually, that's yeah. what happened. That's what happened for that first chance because Hume was centrally. He lost the ball, and then we got overloaded where Hume wasn't on their left hand side, and then they mm-hmm. got that first shot. We didn't get a clear very well and it ended up coming back. And that's when Bart kind of made that it was a it was a bit of a daft challenge in the air, really, to give that yeah. free kick away. I mean it it definitely was a free kick. I mean, I don't think we've got any arguments about it being a free kick. No. And actually and I'm probably gonna loads of people will probably disagree with this. The free kick wasn't taken from where the foul was. But it no. wasn't it wasn't if you look at where Bart started to make the foul, it wasn't a million miles away. I mean, don't get us wrong. It was probably like five yards away, which makes a difference. It's, but that's but, nearly
1: every free kick ever, and not like yeah, when exactly. do they ever take but it? But it You know, what it mean? wasn't.
0: I think people were arguing where the lad landed, which looked miles away, but where Bart actually made the challenge, it was it was right on the edge of the box. Um, mm-hmm. But I st- but it, they ended up stealing a couple of yards, which everyone does, like you say, for every free kick. But it wasn't it, it wasn't a million miles away. But regardless of where they took it from, we should have done better. I mean, it was crap on the edge. A player standing on his own on the edge of the box who had time to stop the ball and wait for the taker to run to him to get a shot in, which basically is what happened. Yeah. I mean, it, it it was crap. We had nobody on the edge of the box anywhere near him. And then when, when the ball comes in, I, I, yeah, I don't know whether I'm being harsh. I've never been. You know, I wasn't a keeper. I let uh, people who were have been in that position probably say more. But from my point of view, Patterson needs to save that. It's right, Adam.
1: Yes. Yeah. No, I can't disagree with you. There's there's no... It, it, it's not even one of those where he's been wrong-footed and it's gone like five or six yards to the left or right. It's, too, it's there in it? Hmm. And I think he'll argue that he probably couldn't see it, but mm, I think he's got to save that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, most goalkeepers probably do. But, I mean, you talked about this before we recorded, so, you know, I've got to see it as well i think with with patterson and given his age and it's not an excuse for everything and it's certainly not an excuse you know for repeatedly doing things like this which he doesn't it's not like it's every week but i just think that with him where you would normally be sending him out on loan like say you were in the prem he'd be out on loan with a championship team or a league 1 team to get his experience to get his mistakes in he's not he's making them with us and I think it's just part and parcel. You know, you might get two or three good games, one bad game, or two or three good saves to one. Or You know, it's he's going to make mistakes. He's going to make mistakes. And I think they've sort of accepted, not just with him, by the way, they've accepted with him, with Hume, with Mishu, with Neil, with Barr, with Clark, with Gelhart, <laughs> that these are young lads who are going to make mistakes and they're not going to take them out of the team when they do. And... I think that's just the way it is, you know? And, I, and I, I accept that a while ago. If if Patterson was making that type of error every week, then we'd all be sitting there going, bloody hell, just take him out because he needs he needs to be taken out the firing line. I, I don't think he'll dwell on that. From what you hear about him, he's very chilled out, like nothing phases him. And I can't imagine that he'll go into the next game, which is obviously quite a way away now after the international break. I can't imagine he's the type of player who would let that affect his confidence too much. Because he didn't in the game, to be fair, he just got on with it. It was just sort of like, yeah, he's made a mistake. None of the players were going down the, down his throat about it. And I think we'll probably forget about it fairly quickly. We'd, if we hadn't got a point, maybe we'd be a little bit more angry about the way that we conceded. What I would say is that what you just said there, bang on. Like, why why is that lad getting the time to even do yeah. what he did and shoot? It, all these goals we seem to be conceding at the minute feel self-inflicted. Yeah, I, I, It's very rare where I'm sitting here, I'm going, what a bit of quality. Like I thought the McAtee goal when we played Sheff United the other night was a brilliant goal. But even then, we still sat there and we pointed out like what we did wrong. There was a, yeah. Game management was all wrong. There was a giant gap in the midfield where neither one of the two centre midfielders thought it would be a good idea to just sit in and see the injury timeout. Like, totally self-inflicted. In this case just nobody thought it would be a good idea to push out properly and stop the shot. You know, in in situations like that, you would like people to take a a leaf out of Luke O'Neill's book because he's the type of player who would do that. He would throw... If he'd been in that... If O'Neill had been right in front of the ball, I'm sure he would have probably gotten in the way of it because he's that determined to stop shots, to stop balls going into the box. So... Maybe there's a bit of that as well, just a, the, the inexperienced thing. I don't want to make too many excuses. I just think it's something that's plagued us all season, and I'm sure that's what they'll chalk it up to. They'll chalk it up to just it being a young, inexperienced team who the streetwise nature of the game isn't there. It just isn't, you know.
0: Yeah, and that that's that's what most of this game was about. Because like like we started off talking about Luton, and I honestly think Luton aren't a great side, but it's all about now. it's all about experience. It's all about having been there and done it. It's all about these situations, set pieces. They could have, you know, they could have come to the stadium, like, you know, not played particularly well, being very organized and just off this one set piece, nearly Nick three points. And and that, that's <laughs> kind of, and, and the championship's full of that and we're doing things a different way, but these lads are going to quickly learn about, you know, teams like Luton and how to manage them and how to, how to play them. And I think, you know, like I said, if we'd stepped it up, if we stepped it up, we I don't think it would have been as much of a problem. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, again, uh, just on the subject of Patterson, look, he's he's made you know England under twenty ones and all that sort of stuff. It's all positive for him. He's been he's been good this season. Um, and again for his age, you could almost see he's been he's been great for his age. <laughs> twelve months ago, you you know he'd only been back a, a month or two from from Notts County, going back twelve months ago. So, so look, he's um he's on the right track. But we've said a few times in a few pods going back that uh, he's got a lot to learn. And I reckon by the sounds of uh, what type of lad he is, uh, he'll be the first to say that.
1: Yeah, well, another thing on the goal quickly. I I don't know. is, Is it the goalkeeper's responsibility to ensure that everything that's happening in front of him is to his liking? Like, for instance, we've just said there, the goal itself comes from the fact that the free kick taker passes it to somebody 10 yards away. Who is yeah. literally just standing there and behind him is another player. There's yeah. two players on the edge of the box. So if they'd wanted, they could he could have just rolled it back, rolled it across again. You know what I mean? So who who in, in that situation takes charge? I'm um, sure it's a goalkeeper because uh, he can see everything nah, in front nah, of that. Nah, nah. it, no? It's got
0: it. Patterson needs to sort out the walls so they can't hook it into that near post. So yeah. that that's his job. It's the defence's job to say, well, there's a man on the edge of the box, who's picking him up? And mm-hmm. I'm sure they've, I'm sure they've practiced this because, looking at the setup in the middle, it doesn't look man for man. It almost looks it, like no, it's not.
1: It they've got, I've counted the players. They've got six players in the box and we've got eight.
0: Yeah, so we're not, we're yeah. not marking, we're not marking man for man. We're marking space.
1: And we don't, we do that on corners as well. By the way, we don't let. There's all eleven players are back every corner.
0: So all, all it needs is is a is Danny Bart or you know someone with a, a head on his shoulders to spot there's two players on the edge of the box and sort that out but i i don't think i don't think that's Patterson's job on the edge of the box it's paterson's mm. job paterson needs to cover his uh, near post which he did do with the two in the wall but it's uh, it's down to the rest of the lads to to see right we've got a spare man there's two on the edge of the box we need to sort that out the the thing that really miffs me off is the distance that the free kick taker covers to actually get to the yeah. ball and take a shot and and we're not getting out to it i mean I mean, maybe he gets a bit lucky with a shot because it goes through what it goes through three, four, five players before it actually gets to Paterson. But uh, but still, you know, someone should be out that, and someone would should be within a couple of yards to completely block it down, so he can hardly take a shot. But yeah, it's just it's um, you know, it's avoidable. And and how many times do we say that again? How many goals do we concede that come from? You know, but we keep bringing it back in experience, or you know that they've made a mistake, and can you you just you just hope we're learning from this?
1: Yeah, actually, I'm watching it back as well. We are on about having too many players back. It's Roberts trying to hang on to lock. on the edge of the box, inside the box. Sorry, he he's actually Ballard's man, and then he ends up in the line of sight of Patterson as well. Where you think you would rather probably have Robert sitting on the edge. Pushing out because if we did break, for instance, he's the player you'd want starting the attack, wouldn't you? Him or or Clark or somebody like that. Mm. It, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. But like we, I don't know. I can't get I can't get too angry about it because it, it didn't cost us in the end. We we sort of we got our reward for for being positive in the in the approach to the end of the game. And yeah, I just think that you know we won't dwell on this for too long because. It's it, it, again, young, inexperienced team. And I think we just have to accept that this is going to happen occasionally. Um, but yeah, so from there, we made a bunch of changes which contributed to us getting back into the game. And like I said at the very top, you know, players came on who I'm dying to see start games and not just getting one game, like a, a bunch of games. Players came on who had a bit of an impact. And uh, uh, what do you think? Do you think he's going to, off the back of this, do you think he's actually going to? Like, are we going to see Bennett starting games? Are we going to see Ekwa starting games? Or, or is it just going to be like this till the end of the season? Because I can't work it out. I, I I keep seeing, like, glimpses of things in games, and then I'm like, well, surely he's going to give him a start soon, and
0: we don't see it. This is a big question for me for the rest of the season. Seven points away from the playoffs, eight games left. Like, what what do we do to get the most out of what's left of this season? That is the massive question for me. You know, eight games is a lot. And I mean, how many times has Tony Mowbray said over the last couple of weeks, we just want to compete? Well, yeah, I mean, what does that mean? Does that mean you want, you still think we've got a sniff of the playoffs? Have you completely just look, let's just suck the idea off of the playoffs because we're not ready for it. And I don't think we'll get the points for the rest of the season. I mean, is that, is that kind of what he means by compete? I mean, what does he mean? Because I think looking forward to next season, as you said, we've got these exciting players. We've got Equa, who I thought looked much better as you said earlier when he came on a sub than he did previously, and I think there's a player there. but you've got Equa, you've got Bennett and you know Lehaji didn't get on, but you've got Lehaji there. and what do you do? do you, do you kind of I mean for me, eight games left, I think the likes of Equa, Bennett and Lehaji should be starting three or four of those. And and mm-hmm. I don't I wouldn't yeah. underst I wouldn't understand why not, because you are almost saying, well, we haven't got that much to play for. So give them minutes on the pitch. I mean look, yeah the 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 biggest example you can point to this season is Trey Hume. He came in and he looked nervous for about three three or four games. And it took them that long to get his kind of feet under the table and go, right, I'm I'm a player in this team now. And now he's one of the first names on the team sheet. But you need to give these lads three, four games. I mean, look at Bar. Look how much, look how much Bar's come on when he's had two or three starts. Yeah. He's a completely different player to the one who we saw coming on a sub for fifteen like, minutes. That Card- well, season.
1: that Cardiff game, for instance. Yeah, the Cardiff game where he started and he stunk the place out. Yeah, like yeah. totally different player.
0: Yeah, yeah. But but they need that. They need this confidence of saying, "I'm going to give you three games, and and mm-hmm. you're going to get you're going to get into the rhythm of the games. You're going to get used to the pace, but." If these lads don't, if the likes of Bennett and likes of Lihaji don't get minutes on the pitch, and Equa as well, because remember, I think, was it Equa when he when he came on for us? That was his first professional game. He's only played under-21s yeah. or whatever before that. So this is massive for them. And it, if they go into next season having not played any games and started any games, then we'll be saying next season, or oh, they need to get used to the championship. 'Cause they haven't mm-hmm. they've never played a game. Well what's the, we've got eight games now. If if we're saying we haven't got much chance of the playoffs and you're talking about competing, then let's pre- let's start preparing for next season now. And I am sure you'll come on to the whole the Gellart debate. We can probably go into that because that's just part do it. of it. Let's just do it
1: now because it was what it was exactly what I was going to talk about. Yeah.
0: That's part of this discussion. So what's the point now of playing an on loan striker from Leeds who's struggling? When you've got players who we're going to need next season, who need minutes on the pitch now to get yeah. prepared for next season, if anybody can give me an argument why you should be starting an on loan player who's struggling over players we're going to need for next season, I mean, I'd love to hear it.
1: If any one of those lads you've just mentioned had played, I don't know how many he's played now, what, eight, nine games, maybe more, on the bounce, and had played as badly as he does, yeah, we would not be sitting here talking about him being a starter in this team, we'd be shipping him off to friggin' Darlington or something unknown. Like, he is not good enough at the minute. He might be a good player. He might be a great player for Leeds down the line, but I don't really care. He's not ours. He's not ours. <laughs> yes, we've got a duty of care wise here. We've probably promised, you know, Leeds that we'd play him a certain amount of times, I, I assume. Oh, there's there's got to be some sort of agreement there. That's the only reason I can come up with for why he's still starting games. And this isn't like. isn't me getting on his back or anything it's not that at all i'm more annoyed that he is getting chances that other players deserve more like you could say you could say for instance bennett right if you put him up front in this team i'm sure it wouldn't be like watching ross stewart i think we'd have to probably change the team up a bit we'd have to maybe you know put him on the right maybe put Roberts more centrally, that sort of thing. But there's no benefit at the minute of playing Gellhardt. There's not one single benefit of the team. He's playing 60 minutes in every game and coming off and doing nothing. Sorry, he's had a couple of assists, hasn't he? And you've got to give him like credit in, in some of his performances. I think QPR away, he was decent in that game. I thought down Norwich, he played his part, and we said that on the podcast you know, that he, he played his part. I'm not saying he stunk the gaff out completely, but like at this stage, you're totally right. There's no benefit to him playing. And like I say, there's lads... That, and, and the only the only other thing I can think of is maybe they're looking at Bennett and saying, if we start him now, he's he, this could ruin him. But I, I don't get that impression from him as a wow. player. I watch Bennett and I just see a lad grafting his balls off, really wanting to impress, like trying everything. And like... I don't think our fans would write him off if if just let's just for argument's sake, right? Say that the move would be so we've got Barr and Gellhart. Let's say you bring Ahmad in for for Bar, and you you maybe push Roberts into that ten position because I don't think he's been playing great by the way that's, out on the what right. That's where Clark,
0: that's what yeah. Clark played early in the season.
1: Yeah, I just think because he's been bringing Bennett on on the right a lot, I think the the easiest swap might be to put sort of Ahmad through the middle. Roberts behind him and then Bennett on the right and they'll just interchange won't they it's not, it's not like it's rigid that like Amad will stay up front yeah, yeah. I actually think there's yeah. a as a thrown four they can move around a bit they can and like to me I would much rather watch that than watch another minute of Joe Gelhart up front for Sunderland because it's just not working I've got nothing against the lad he's trying his nuts off you can see he's like you can see how much it means to him when he's coming off the pitch and he's not scoring he's gutted his head's in his shirt he's like you know, you can see how much it's affecting them that it's not working, but we're flogging them. Yeah, like I've just mentioned a duty of care. If there is a duty of care, he has to be taken out of the team because it's not benefiting him at all to be playing. It's not benefiting us any at all to be playing. And I just think try something else. We've got nothing to lose. And and like you mentioned it before, Chris. Next season we need Bennett, we need Lee Hadji. we need Ekwar. So to me, we need to be using that position more wisely,
0: and we need to be trying something else. Here's, here's one for you, though, right? Even seven, po- seven points off the playoffs, eight games left. Like I said, I think I think now we can probably say that the playoffs, I mean, there's enough points there, but it's probably a stretch because top six are going to pick up points and most of them are, are playing well. So we've got to pretty much win all of our games and, and hope they slip up. But mm. let's say even, I'm going to put it to you, right? Let's say Gellart's playing all right. He's playing well. He looks, he looks a part, he looks a player. Um, You think, oh, he's fantastic, his touch is great, he's getting a couple of goals, but the, the results are still similar. Would you still say that it's the same argument that even if he was playing well, that it's going to benefit us more by getting more minutes out of Bennett and Lee Hadji?
1: Absolutely, yeah, because I would say the same about Ahmad as well. He do, he's doing well when he came on the other day. He changed the game. He won us the penalty. He got us the, the equalizer. But like last week, we were saying the same things about him. We we're saying he's been off the boil a bit recently. So why not try something else? I'm not saying they never start Gellhart again in the next. Maybe well. You are maybe maybe <laughs> oh, I don't know. Oh. I I just think you, you you can use him like bring him off the bench and that, but like. No, I would. Uh, My argument would be the same. Even if he was playing well, I would just be like, "Not." I'm sorry. I should rephrase what I was going to say. There is that I wouldn't say start Bennett and Lehaji and Ekwar in every game. I just want to see them start some games. I want to see like, yeah. I want to see some introduct like. And and I actually think these are the conversations they'll be having. They've got to be looking at this now, particularly after the Luton game, when you, you watch Ekwa come on and you watch Bennett come on, and that's the first time. In Ekwar's case, where we've seen like what he can actually do, and in Bennett's case, to me, he, every time the, the lad gets a chance, and it's not often, we'll see him and, he, and you don't see him for two or three games. But I think I feel like every time he's came on the pitch, there's a sub that he's gave us something. And I just think, like, give, give him a go. He's a, he's, a, he's an international forward. What What's the worst that can happen? The lad's just played at the World Cup. Do you think he's going to crumble playing in the championship? <laughs> because that is the biggest stage of them all. Like, just give them a chance.
0: Yeah, but it, this is the question to me. It boils down to this this kind of bottom line that if if we considered the playoffs to be out of reach now, then we've got to ask the question, is playing Ahmad and Gellart in the best interests of Sunderland Football Club for the future, long-term? And it's not. What is the benefit of playing them? What, getting a few points and finishing 10th instead of 12th? I mean, what, what is it not more important to... Get Bennett and Hadji up to speed more this season of what we've got left. I mean, are you I, totally I, right? Totally right. I, I I just think that if that if it boils down to the fact that we've we've said the we're out of the playoffs and we said right, but probably not this season, then we've got to look elsewhere to get the most out of the last eight games.
1: Yeah, and again, there's more examples of it, isn't there? You know, you, you just look at the look at look at the the bench, for instance. That we that we had the other day, and I mean that's a good bench. Like there's as far as you look at their bench, and I would say we had probably more quality on ours. So I, I think I think there's a genuine benefit to bringing these players through. Like we they like bought Bart, Bart. To be fair, he gave him the last three games. Mm. I don't think he'll start the next one. But like there you go. There's another example. He's got a goal and an assist in the three games, and we may not have seen that had Ahmad not came out the team. We probably wouldn't have. Michu. I think I mentioned this on on a pod last week but if Corey Evans was fit I don't think he'd have played that much at all because it would have just been Neil and Evans you've seen how loyal Mowbray is to players mm. like Evans and Neil would have been the midfield too when fit in yeah. every game and Mishu is getting the opportunity to play because by the virtue of there being really nobody else and like to me he looks a totally different player from just having that benefit of a run of games when I first seen him the touches the passes and stuff were all there but what wasn't there was the ratting about the the getting into the tackles, and I don't think it's like perfect. But I've noticed a difference in him, and the only way that he would have ever brought a different side to his game would have been through playing. Yeah. That, that's only something that comes through playing games of football yeah. in the championship against like big rugged midfield players. Hume, you mentioned him. To me, Hume looks like he's played two two hundred games. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. he's he's got he's got a wiliness and a competitiveness about him that. No other young player we've got's got. Like, even Dan Neal. I think Dan Neal doesn't have some of the traits Hume's got. Hume reminds me of, like, an old-school, like, 90s footballer who would just, like, get it. Like, he loves a tackle, doesn't he? And, like, but we would never have seen that side of him if Gooch hadn't got injured and mm. spent so long on the side because Gooch was first choice. He was one of the first names on the team. Obviously, sometimes the opportunities are forced, but when they have been forced this season, those players have excelled. We've seen why they should be playing games. Ahmad is a great example of this. I know we can talk about like, him differently now because the season's pretty much over in a lot of people's eyes. But Ahmad, until Mowbray came in, never played. I don't think Alex Neal really played him, and Mo- and even then, at the start of Mowbray's reign, really he didn't play a lot. In fact, I think it was Mowbray's first squad. Ahmad didn't even make the eighteen.
0: Yeah, and even even when he did, people wrote him off because his first yeah. his first few performances were a bit crap. Yeah. So like. Young player, and we, we've we've got so many
1: examples in this team this season of young lads who just needed a chance, and when they got it, took the chance, and that's got to be at the back of his mind now. Is that like <laughs> Bennett? Is the... I'm not like I, I feel like I might be talking about people might be listening to me and think I'm talking about like a Brazil international. He's a Costa Rica international. He's not a Brazil international. But like I just feel like he's waited so patiently, and every time he's had the chance, he's looked hungry. And in training, I bet you he's trying as hard as anybody in training every day to impress. Like, just give the lad a go. And there's no harm in it whatsoever.
0: And again, we've talked about those players who we only realised how good they were after a few games. So you give them a few games grace of saying, right, well, they're settling in, they're settling in. And after three or four, it's like, right, now let's see what they can do. And how frustrated are we going to be if we go into the summer and we still haven't seen Bennett and Lehaji, you know, on a consistent basis, getting getting a few starts. Even if they start, like I said, we've got eight games left. If Liadji and Bennett start half of those and just to see, you know, go on, get, get you starting. Don't worry about next week. You know, you're going to get a couple of games and just go out and do your thing. Because then we'll know what we're talking about for next season. We'll know what we actually have. Whereas if we go into the summer and they haven't started any games, you just think, well, they're going to be first day of the season. There's still massive question marks because you haven't mm-hmm. tested them yet.
1: Yeah, well, after Burnley, we've got a whole card of Birmingham, Huddersfield, and I just think like that's a great chance to do exactly that. Three home games, so playing in front of the Sunderland fans.
0: Why not? But what do you think Sunderland fans would, would want now? Do you think most fans wouldn't mind finishing? Let's say we kind of give all these players, you know, loads of minutes, and we finished. I don't know, 14th, 15th. How, mu- how much difference between finishing 14th, 15th or finishing 10th or 12th? No, it's not going to be much of a
1: difference.
0: no. I'd rather these lads get minutes and we'll see what they can do at the mm-hmm. risk of finishing 14th, 15th. Because what's a, there's no difference. It's higher up mid-table, it's lower down mid-table. I mean, who, who, who really cares? If that benefits us more moving forward for next season, I'd be quite happy if the management decided to do that.
1: No, I'm with you. Yeah, just do it. I mean, I've been to be fair. I was saying this a few weeks ago. I I understand the way he's navigated this little run of games. Like, if you take out all of the results before Norwich out of your thinking here, because obviously the the three Stoke, Coventry, and Rotherham were terrible results. But like, we knew we had a really tough run coming up. Norwich chasing the playoffs. Sheffield United going for top two. Luton chasing the playoffs. Burnley gonna win the league. Like we're sat here after three those three games, we've lost one. We've got four yeah. points. Yeah, that's that's a good return, and, and like I'm not taking anything away from Tony Mowbray and that. I think he's there. Uh, I think that's a like great, you know, like fair play. We probably got what we've deserved in in many respects out of that run. Yeah. You know, you again we we're not going to go back to Sheffield United game. If the ref does his job, that might be a different result, and we might be talking about more points. And then we're sat here like bloody hell, we've really managed these games well. So maybe the other side of this argument is well, you know, look at the results. They've actually been all right the last few weeks, but like I'm talking about going forward. Yeah. I'm not talking about like what's just happened. I'm on about like after, after Burnley. I, like Burnley's going to be a really hard game away from home, and you, you can kind of telegraph how he's going to approach it because I can't see him taking many risks at Burnley because it could be another Stoke if we do. And that, that's his thinking. I know how he's thinking there. I think he's probably looking at and thinking, we. I don't know how many. I, can I? Because he makes a big thing all, doesn't he, when he talks about the language thing. It's clearly something that's massive to him. And is he going to throw a load of lads in who he feels he can't communicate with in a game like that? Probably not.
0: He's, he's not, You're right. He's navigated these games brilliantly. But the result of those games, which is four points out of nine, means now that the playoffs is probably a distant memory. And, and it's now saying, well, if he's not going to kind of throw these lads in and trust them for games that don't really matter, when's he going to trust them?
1: Mm-hmm. No, it's a it's a really important question that we have to ask ourselves. I'm sure you know people listen to this get in touch with us and let us know what you think because I think this has been probably the big debate amongst fans, mainly because of Gellhart. I think a lot you know even people who there's, there's kind of two camps with Gelhart. There's people who have had enough of watching him, and there's people who have had enough of what well people who have had <laughs> enough of watching him and want to see an alternative, and people who have had enough but because they feel sorry for him and they're kind of like. And under in different circumstances, it might have worked out, and this, that, and the other. But I think nobody can really deny what we've just said there. I don't think so. I think we do I think most fans will listen to what we've just said there and probably concur that that's probably fair. That there has to be a different route out of the championship this season. Like, we're seven points behind the playoffs now. I can't see us making up that yeah. gap. Stranger things have happened. Like, I say, we get past this Burnley game, you've got Hull. Birmingham, and you've got Huddersfield all at home in the space of 11 days. And then a game away at Cardiff, Who, you know, Cardiff will be a tough game. But, like, if we win, if we somehow win those three games, nine points, we are touching the playoffs again. And then we're all sitting there going into the West... In, bear, bear in mind, West Brom around that area. Watford are up there. You know, we, then we're looking at the last three games and we're going, could we maybe sneak in last minute? So, it... It's not inconceivable, and if there's any club would do that, it would be us. (laughs) You know, like we we only do mental, don't we? So, like, it's quite possible that we could end up in the playoffs. I'm not completely writing it off, but I think as a football club, I think internally they will be talking about how this season's basically over now, and anything's a bonus. And you kind of get that in Mowbray's language in the last couple of press conferences, where I think he was a lot more positive after the I think was the Norwich game. But he was saying like how he wanted to ensure that we were always flirting with the playoffs as towards the end of the season. Like, he, like, so he doesn't want to outright yeah. say we're going for the playoffs. And bear, bear in mind that was before Sheffield United. We've, we've picked up one point out of a possible six in the last two games. So maybe it's a different conversation now. But I think internally that discussion has been had to death. And they've probably just said, let's stick to the long-term plan And if we somehow end up in the playoffs, then great. If not, nobody's going to be getting sacked for it. There's going to be no big changes or anything like that because ultimately we've achieved our
0: goal, which was to stay up. So you look at the form of the top five, you know, Blackburn have got a game in hand. And then after that, you look at the likes of Coventry and West Brom and and now Watford, who are picking up, who are all, all picking up regular points consistently. I mean, we've lost three of the last five. It needs a massive turnaround, and we we need to do something that I don't think we've done all season, and I'm going to have a quick look, but off the top of my head, I think the most we've won is two off the bounce all season. I think so, yeah. And we we need a run of three, four, maybe even five wins off the bounce, and that just isn't going to happen.
1: No. Uh, We kind of went off in a different direction there. We haven't even finished the talk about the game, so we might as well (laughs) finish on there. on the, on the decision to award the penalty? Was it a penalty, do you think?
0: No, no, absolutely not. <laughs>
1: the, the referee and the linesman just stared at each other for 10 seconds. That, Nobody knew what was going on, did they?
0: I think the, the linesman, well, I get the feeling that the linesman, I don't know why he didn't put his flag up, because I think he must have asked the referee a question and the referee gave a response. And I think it must have been, well, I I saw him tug his arm, so in that you know, if that looks to you like it was a penalty, then give it. Or something like that. Because otherwise, if if the linesman I mean, because we all know the signal for the linesman giving a penalty, you know, it's the flag across the chest and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. Like if he gave a penalty, he didn't he didn't put his flag up at all. So they must have had a conversation with saying, Look, if this happened, then give it because the, otherwise the linesman would have just flagged and said, Look, it's a penalty.
1: Wonder if, uh, but it was the Chef United. <laughs> if the Chef United, no. I wonder if the Chef United game has anything to do with that. I wonder, like, obviously, the refs going to be aware there was a bit of controversy about the refereeing in the last game. Is it playing on their mind? What? Like these lot have just been shafted to the point where the refs who <laughs> the officials who took the game apologized for the decision making. They're like, oh shit! And I, I don't know. Does that fluster referees? I would imagine it probably does.
0: Well I did wonder you know. whether it was part of the apology package that they needed to give us a late penalty <laughs> whether we were behind but uh, but I tell you I tell you one thing about it though that um it was basically Ahmad completely and utterly won the penalty I mean it was it was clever play from him because he had no right to really win a penalty because all the lad did really was put his arm across him which every single defender does and and Ahmad's done that a few times this season and we've all kind of, you know, we went, oh, you know, initial kind of, is that a penalty? And then when we sort of back, we went, oh, Ahmad's trying to be canny there. But, he, you know, it didn't really look like a penalty. And this didn't look like a penalty. And he got one. But it was it was all down to Ahmad making it look. And you saw the way he fell, the way he twisted himself. He made it look like the lad actually had hold of his arm and kind of pulled his arm. But, I mean, we would be spitting feathers if that was a penalty against us.
1: I think we would, yeah. And in the interest of fairness, you know, we've slated referees for weeks on yeah, <laughs> you know, kind of got to say we got away with one there, like. But I, if you take that, if you actually take that decision out of it, I think the fact that I, I think the referees did a fine job. The referees' assistants, they were fine. But then there wasn't a great deal that happened in the game. But I just, <laughs> I, I didn't really feel like they did a great deal wrong. I like, even before I point, I remember standing, like talking to me saying, Haven't the refs been out readed, did any? Like he hadn't done any there was a spate, wasn't there, where I think um Luton were trying to waste time and he just he got he went really card happy and he started dishing out the yellows. They were wasting time and giving fouls away and there was a bit of dissent and he gave out like a bunch of yellows pretty quickly. And I was like, No, to be fair, that's good good referee in that because he's nipping it in the bud. Yeah. And it? then he gives us a, a a decent penalty at the at, at the end so you know yeah. I, I think he's my best mate now.
0: <laughs> there was uh, luckier luckier at the back for them. God, he was in the referee's ear every single decision. And actually I think the referee just got sick of him in the end because <laughs> it was every single decision. But uh, but yeah, I mean uh, and and Ahmad I was well, I'm not sure if I was well I'm not sure if I was that surprised when Ahmad stepped up but I mean what a pen Easy, you know, just an yeah. just Ahmad pen, wasn't it? And that's uh, 19 consecutive games we've scored in. Fourth highest scores in the league, uh, I we've think, scored. As well. scored in every single game since uh, Cardiff City on the 5th of November.
1: Right. Let's say fourth highest goal scorers in the championship. Bear in mind, we haven't had a striker most of the season. Yeah. That dispels the <laughs> argument about how much of an impact forwards have had on us this season to me in my head not having a focal point is different to the striker debate in my head. like yes we've not had a focal point but we certainly haven't like, we, like i listened to the, some of the, the callers on the radio after the game and the complaint about strikers but there's no nuance to the debate there's no people aren't actually caveating that with but to be fair we've scored quite a lot of goals this season we do create chances like, with Ross Stewart up front, I'm sure we would have scored a hell of a lot more. That's the other side of it. But we haven't struggled to score goals this season, which, again, feeds into this whole discussion about Gellhart bringing other lads in. Like, take him out the team and we will still score goals because we've scored goals without him. We've scored goals without Ross Stewart. We've scored goals without Ellis Sims. Like, we we have got goals in the team. It's just about finding the best way to work. What we've lacked is a focal point. And again, that's a whole other discussion, you know. Who could? Who else could you put up there to win headers and stuff? Later in games, he's he's throwing defenders up there, isn't he? To do that, so. But to me, you know, we, we haven't struggled to score goals this season, and that gives me a lot of hope and optimism for next season. Because when we do have fit strikers in the team, how good are we actually going to be?
0: I was just about to say The thing, the thing that those sort of statistics pulls out for me and highlights is that we're not actually that far off. And I mean I suppose the league table shows that in some respects, but just as a team, we're, we're really not that far, Which is which is crazy to think that, you know, we actually in some ways kind of scraped through and got promoted last season. And we're talking 12 months later and we're saying we're not that far away from being a championship playoff side and we're not. I honestly think if you put a fully fit Ross Stewart for a full season in that side, we finish in that top six because oh, easily, yeah, yeah. Because if you look, you look how far we're off, and all the goals are scored, like you say, fourth top goal scorers in the division without without a striker like Ross Stewart, pretty much what for what 70% of the season, almost three quarters of the season, yeah. I reckon, something like that. I mean, yeah, you, you stick him in that side who was scoring goals anyway, and you stick a striker of his quality in and his work rate and his fault the job that he does as, as a focal point and being able to knock the ball over the top. I mean, that's how close we are to being a top six side and, and actually almost leapfrogging the championship and jumping straight into the Premier League. And I think that, I mean, we, we kind of talked about, I mean, I, I wish that kind of Tony Wobbe wouldn't mention it that much, but, you know, it, when, when we're on the subject, you've got to say that he's been the difference between us finishing top six and ending up mid-table.
1: And that's, I guess, the argument people would make who are pretty vociferous in their criticism of the recruitment in that they felt had we just went and signed a striker in January that we might have, but then that leads into a total different discussion about, are we ready to go up? Is the team ready? Do people really want to go up? Do the club want us to go up? And that's my, like when I think about it, I think if there was a burning desire to get promoted this year, they would have bought a striker and that's, Maybe what, that shows you where the ambition actually was, and then you've got to ask yourself the question: Do my ambitions tally up with the clubs? Like, you know, I I actually think that had we 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 still could get into the playoffs, but nobody can sit there with a straight face and say we expected to have a season like we've had. Really, I, I I thought it would be a struggle. I did. I thought we would. I thought we wouldn't struggle as much as say like Wigan and Rotherham have, but I didn't think it would be as. Clear as we we've had it, and that's without a lot of important players as well. So like I I just think that you know, we, to me you're right. You're right. We we are a handful of players away, and you know we've obviously got to replace like Ahmad, but I'm sure we will because there'll be other good players available to us. One thing we have shown this season, gelhart aside, um, is that this is a place you can send players and develop them and. Even in the case, you could even use the case of Gellhart, to be fair. He's had a lot of games, he's had a lot of minutes. He hasn't come here and sat on the bench like a lot of players do when they go out on loan. So, like going forward, it does give you a bit of optimism. And, like, I know we've got a bit of a break after this game leading up to Burnley because obviously there's an international break. But it is a, it is a chance to reflect, isn't it? Like, we've done a lot of reflecting on this part today, just talking about ways forward to the end of the season and stuff. And I, I think that's what we've probably got to do as a football club, is just sort of reflect and look at the rest of the season now with an open mind and understand that we are sort of treated like a mini pre-season before the pre-season. Like, let's get ready for next season now because there isn't a lot of change that needs to be done to make this team become good enough to push for automatic promotion and playoffs next season, based on what I've seen in the championship.
0: And it's funny because I think if if he does that, if that's a decision that for the remainder of the season, and he does that, what we were talking about earlier, trying to blood these young players, people will understand that, and they'll get more mm. grace from getting a few bad results doing that than they will trying to stick with the same eleven. You know, if we get the if we mm. get some bad results with the same eleven, it'll be like why is you know why isn't aren't we just using the time to to give these players some minutes? But if the players do get a chance. And results don't go that well. Yeah, pe- at least people are think okay, well that's fine because we've got next season in sight.
1: There's no reason why they can't be open and honest about that either. They could yeah. actually come out. You could do. You could have like Speakman have it, have Speakman do it if you want to take the pressure off Mowbray. You know, maybe and have like a an interview with him where he talks about the rest of the season. Now we've got an international break, and maybe explain that what we're going to do. We're going to we're going to use the rest of the season as a chance to get some of these lads up to speed. You know, they can be they can be open and honest about that to give fans the heads up on it, so that when it comes to some of the decisions that they see, or maybe you know, if they if there's lads playing who maybe had a bad game, but they might get another start the next week because they, they need the minutes at least there will be something to back that up. There'll be a bit of an explanation behind it. And There's no reason why... the And I think fans would... Literally every time there would be in like a, a discussion online or an argument at work or, or whatever about like who he's picking and what he's doing, people would be like, aye, but that's what they said they were going to do and we have to stick by these young lads and we've got to give them a chance because next season we want them ready. There's no reason why the club can't come out and explain that. So I, I, I hope that's what they do. I hope they use this period between now and the Burnley game just to reflect and sort of maybe... See this as a as a different um, period in the season where we can actually use it to our benefit.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, and uh, you know, it'll it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. And I, I wonder if the the international break actually gives Mowbray a bit of time because we've talked about this. This schedule that they've had since what the beginning of January, which is just well, oh, sorry, the end of January, which has just been a bit nuts that the you know that the FA Cup replay kind of caused a little bit, but now he's got this chance to get them on the training pitch. Actually, having said that, I did listen to his press conference and he actually said for because there's so many lads away that he hasn't actually got many players on the training pitch because he said <laughs> he, he actually said something like before the Burnley game. He says, "Oh, you think I've got all this time?" But he actually said he's only got the f- everyone available on the training pitch for one day or something throughout the whole. Oh, right. So, it, so we're not going to say anything mad. So we're, we're really. not going to say... I mean, I I'm fully expecting the, the first the starting lineup against Burnley to be the same again.
1: Well, I just hope he takes Gelhart. out. That's the only change I would make. <laughs> yeah, for his benefit, for our benefit. Let that if that's the only change, and it's Ahmad for Gelhart then I could probably understand it because, like I said, probably what 20 minutes ago or so, it's a tough game. We're going away to Burnley where we're going to not really have much of the ball. They're probably going to win because they're absolutely walking the league. They're going to be a better team than the one that we that we played actually quite well against earlier in the season because you, you, they're like a steam train at the minute. They, they've, they're have walking it. So, Like to me, he's probably not going to throw in players like Bennett in that game. Um, I'd be very shocked. But after that, yeah, let's do it.
0: If he's only got if he's only got that one day, it'll what he'll do is he'll set them up exactly how we went to Norwich and he'll play the same eleven and say, Do what you did against Norwich. Dan Neil and Misha will sit in front of the back four, we'll try and hit them on the break, a moment of magic, get something to hold on to, and that's what I think you'll line up with against uh Burnley. Mm. Yes, well, this has been
1: uh, probably the longest part of the season, Chris, somehow. Talking about a one-all draw with Luton. Yep. We, we we manage it every week. We say it before, we'll keep it short. We'll keep it short. We never do. Um, Your fault. But, yeah, there's no there's no game now, is there, for a while. So, we at least we've got an excuse. Maybe people are going to listen to this over ten days or so. Uh, getting through to the next game. Cheers for joining us, Chris. Thank you very much, as always.
0: No bother. I'm knackered now.
1: <laughs> Same, And uh, cheers to the listeners You are all worthy of a gold star If you've made it this far into the pod um, Thanks as always to everybody Who interacts with us on social media No questions today unfortunately But if we ask for questions We might be been here for another hour <laughs> So yeah, probably a good idea um, we, we might be back with a pod in the meantime I don't know We will surely be back before the Burnley game And yeah, thanks for joining us I'll catch you later, cheers